The Mother of Baseball, a story in one part. In a world where danger lurks in the shadows, an unpredictable routine just might become a matter of survival. We dance round in a ring and suppose, but the secret sits in the middle and knows. On the morning of July 24th, 2012, the vibrant and tenacious 74-year-old Vi Ripken began her morning like any other day by starting her daily routine, unaware of the impending darkness that awaited her. As the sun cast its warm glow, Illuminating the world around her, Vi stepped into her garage, never suspecting the sinister presence that awaited within its shadows. Little did she know that her life was about to be forever altered. In a cruel twist of fate, an armed gunman emerged before her, shattering the tranquility of her home. Within seconds, Vi was forcefully taken, snatched away from the comfort and familiarity of her surroundings. Bound and blindfolded, Vi found herself imprisoned in the back seat of her own car. What was once a symbol of freedom was now transformed into a claustrophobic chamber of terror. For the next 23 harrowing hours, her captor's motives would remain hidden while she endured a relentless ordeal, her mind racing with unanswered questions, her indomitable spirit tested by the unyielding grip of uncertainty. Meanwhile, on that same July 24th evening, a couple in White Marsh, Maryland, stumbled upon an unnerving scene. It was near the intersection of Ebenezer Road and the Pulaski Highway on their own property within this tranquil Baltimore County community that they made a chilling discovery. A silver sedan, parked on the shoulder of the road, drew the couple's attention. Something about the scene before them felt wrong. They could tell that this was not simply a broken-down vehicle. Their gazes focused on two figures, one within the vehicle and the other walking around the exterior of the car. A man, adorned with gloves despite the sweltering summer temperatures, which had soared past 90 degrees, moved around the car with an air of secrecy. Inside the car was a masked figure. The couple could tell it was an elderly woman, and she appeared frail and captive. Adding to the mystery, a white shirt or sheet concealed the rear driver's side window. A puzzling sight, indeed. A sense of foreboding gripped the couple as they absorbed the unsettling scene before them. An instinctual alarm began to surge through the couple's veins. Determined to unravel the mystery, they approached the man, seeking an explanation for the disturbing scene that had unfolded before them. With an eerie calmness, he shared a haunting story. The man claimed that the elderly woman in the back seat was his mother, 
afflicted by the devastating grip of Alzheimer's disease. Before their eyes, he swiftly returned to the driver's seat of the Lincoln Town Car, leaving the couple with a chilling memory etched into their brains and their souls. Driven by concern and propelled by a need to protect, the witnesses wasted no time. Their now trembling fingers dialed 911, their urgent voices conveying the gravity of the situation. Their words reached the dispatchers, who listened intently to the unfolding nightmare, an abduction in progress, a vulnerable life hanging in the balance. The details were meticulously recorded, including the license plate number, SMR-308, a vital piece of information in the race to unravel the truth and bring Vi Ripken back to safety. As the investigation unfolded, a chilling revelation emerged, intertwining the abduction of Vi Ripken with a name revered in the annals of Baltimore's sports history. The license plate number SMR-308 traced back to a prominent and influential figure from the area, a name synonymous with baseball greatness, a figure known to fans across the nation. Vi's husband, along with her two sons, had etched their names in the lore of the sports world, crafting a dynasty that left an indelible mark. The police swiftly descended upon Vi's residence, their hearts heavy with concern for the icon from their region. A wellness check revealed an empty house, completely devoid of its beloved matriarch. The truth loomed ominously, casting a somber shadow over the community's heart. The revelation dawned on investigators and residents alike. A kidnapper had seized Vi, tearing her from the embrace of her family, leaving a void that resonated with profound anguish. The gravity of Vi Ripken's disappearance gripped the community, a collective gasp of disbelief echoing through the streets. The once vibrant and resilient 74-year-old widow, a pillar of strength and love, had become ensnared in a living nightmare. Her absence echoed through the community, leaving heavy hearts with concern and minds consumed by questions. Violet Ripken, affectionately known as Vi, grew up in the quaint town of Aberdeen, Maryland. Aberdeen, Maryland is nestled on the outskirts of the bustling Baltimore region. It is a town shrouded in stories where the tales of ordinary lives intertwine with the extraordinary events that have unfolded within its borders. From its rich baseball legacy to its close-knit community, Aberdeen hides secrets beneath its serene facade, beckoning curious minds to explore its enigmatic charm. It was there that Vi found love and married her high school sweetheart, Cal Ripken, a young man with a passion for baseball. In 1957, Cal Ripken's dreams took flight when he was signed by the Baltimore Orioles, his very own hometown team. Over the course of his roughly seven-year professional career, Cal faced numerous setbacks 
due to injuries that kept him off the field. However, his unwavering determination led him to transition into a successful coaching and managerial career, leaving an enduring mark on the sport that he loved so much. And I did a little research here because a seven-year career sounded pretty short to me. But I was completely wrong, and I learned that the average professional baseball player's career is only 5.6 years long. Wow, what a short career. Anyway, during this time, Vi and Cal welcomed four children into the world. Three sons named Cal Jr., Billy, and Fred, and a daughter named Ellen. Although they had a house in Aberdeen that they considered their primary home, their lives were defined by the transient nature of minor league and major league baseball. As Cal Sr. progressed through various positions within the Baltimore Orioles organization, including third base coach, bullpen coach, scout, and manager, the family adapted to a nomadic existence, constantly uprooting their lives. By the 1980s, two of the Ripken children were making their mark as professional baseball players as well. Cal Jr. made his debut first, followed by Billy a few years later. Both boys would be drafted by the Baltimore Orioles, the team their father had coached for. Billy exhibited great promise, but like his father, faced a career plagued by injuries. In contrast, Cal Ripken Jr. would achieve legendary status, becoming one of the most well-known baseball players of all time. Known as the Iron Man, he set an unbreakable record by playing in 2,632 consecutive games, surpassing Lou Gehrig's previous milestone. Cal Jr. retired in 2001 and was swiftly inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2007, solidifying his status as an iconic figure, transcending the sport itself. As Cal Jr. and Billy concluded their careers, Cal Sr. tragically passed away, having had the privilege of managing both of his sons in the major leagues during his tenure as the Baltimore Orioles manager from 1987 to 1988. Cal Sr. remains the sole manager in Major League history to simultaneously lead two of his own sons on the field. In his final years, Cal Sr. became a revered figure within the Orioles organization, stepping away from coaching and managing to spend cherished moments with his beloved wife, Vi. So let us get back to Vi, because this is certainly not a sports or baseball podcast. Vi and Cal settled into their split-level home on Clover Street in Aberdeen, a sanctuary that had witnessed the joys and trials of the Ripken family for decades. In a 1986 interview with The Evening Sun, Vi expressed her deep attachment to the region, remarking, Our life simply centers in Aberdeen. It's a small town, My family, our neighbors, I don't think money or being a media family will change our lifestyle. We will always be just what we are. 
tragedy struck in 1999 when Cal Ripken Sr. succumbed to complications from lung cancer, leaving Vi widowed in her early 60s. Nevertheless, she remained in their cherished family home, surrounded by her children, grandchildren, and a network of loved ones who provided solace and support. In the wake of her husband's passing, Vi channeled her energy into meaningful endeavors. She became the founding chairperson of the Cal Ripken Sr. Foundation, a nonprofit organization established in 2001 and still in operation today. We will include a link to this foundation in our show notes. Guided by the values of her late husband, the foundation aimed to provide at-risk youth with access to character-building athletic programs, offering them a path towards personal growth and camaraderie. Additionally, Vi dedicated her time to organizations such as the Boys and Girls Club, where she worked tirelessly with underprivileged children, making a lasting impact on their lives. Vi's love for baseball endured after her husband's passing, and she actively attended local minor league games, particularly those of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, the Baltimore Orioles minor league affiliate. Coincidentally, their practice grounds were just a short drive from Vi's home and carried the Ripken name. Ripken Stadium stood as a testament to the family's legacy in the sport they all held dear. And something must be said about a building, or in this case, a sports stadium bearing your name. That is pretty special. On that Tuesday, July 24th, 2012, Vi Ripken started her morning routine just like any other day. As the sun cast its warm glow over Aberdeen, Maryland, Vi set out to collect the newspaper from her front porch, a ritual she had followed faithfully every day for years. Her friendly next-door neighbors, who had shared this neighborhood with her for over three decades, had grown accustomed to observing Vi's daily rituals. Little did anyone know that this seemingly innocuous routine would draw the attention of someone with dark intentions. You have to change up your daily routines, people. Do not be predictable. Between 7 and 8 a.m., as the day began to unfold, Vi stepped into her garage, unsuspecting of the horror that awaited her. To her shock and terror, she discovered a stranger lurking within its confines. This mysterious intruder, concealed by a ski mask and gloved hands, possessed a handgun, and he immediately compelled Vi towards her own silver 1998 Lincoln Town Car. Inside the confines of her own vehicle, Vi found herself thrust into a nightmare. The abductor swiftly bound her ankles and wrists with rope, a chilling reminder of her helplessness. Initially intending to blindfold her with duct tape and place her in the trunk, the kidnapper, perhaps moved by Vi's pleas rooted in her deeply held claustrophobia, displayed a momentary act of compassion for the woman. Instead of placing Vi in the trunk of her car, he covered her glasses with duct tape, partially limiting her vision while allowing her to occupy the back seat. 
Through her peripheral vision, she caught fleeting glimpses of the outside world around her. However, after realizing this oversight, the captor replaced the duct tape with a mask that more effectively obstructed her view. With Vi securely confined in the back seat, her own car now became the vessel of her captivity. Without ever disclosing his motives or the intended destination, the abductor continued to drive her aimlessly throughout the day. The man took precautions to shield Vi from outside prying eyes, placing a white shirt or sheet over the driver's side back window, masking her presence from the world outside of the Lincoln Town Car. Throughout the ordeal, Vi's abductor exhibited a peculiar mix of detachment and intermittent acts of kindness. The captor made multiple stops for gas and food, and he continually reassured Vi that his intent was not to harm her. Astonishingly, he seemed oblivious to her identity and familial connections, showing no inkling of her husband's and son's illustrious baseball careers and nationwide fame. The name Ripken never passed his lips as he drove aimlessly around Aberdeen, apparently ignorant of the significance of his captive passenger. He shared cigarettes and fast food with Vi, almost as if engaging in mundane interactions, all the while continuing their journey across the Baltimore region for several hours. More than 12 hours had passed since Vi Ripken's abduction, and still, no one was aware of her plight. It wasn't until approximately 8.30 p.m. that her absence was reported, marking the beginning of a frantic search for the missing 74-year-old. At around 8.30 p.m., a couple who owned property near White Marsh, Maryland, encountered a suspicious man pulled over on the side of the road near the intersection of Ebenezer Road and the Pulaski Highway, about 20 miles away from Vi's home. Intrigued and sensing something amiss, they decided to jot down the license plate number of the vehicle. Recognizing the urgency of the situation, they promptly forwarded the information to police dispatchers, who swiftly connected the license plate to Vi Ripken. By 8.35 p.m., Baltimore County Police were in contact with the Harford County Sheriff's Department, which held jurisdiction over Vi's residence in Aberdeen. The authorities were briefed that an elderly woman with silver hair had been forcibly taken captive by a man wearing gloves, based on the information provided by the observant 911 callers. Aberdeen Police immediately responded to the Ripken home on Clover Street, only to find neither Vi nor her vehicle present. The time was now past 9 p.m., and Vi was expected to be home by that hour, as she typically retired early. As the police grew increasingly concerned, they began reaching out to Vi's known friends and family. However, none of them had any information about her whereabouts, as they all believed she should have been at home. Inside of Vi's house, investigators discovered her cell phone, a telling sign that she had not left voluntarily. They meticulously combed through the residence, searching for any clues that could shed light on her disappearance. 
the search effort expanded beyond the confines of her home, with law enforcement scouring the surrounding area. The neighborhood was gripped by a tense stillness, as a noticeable police presence lined the streets and intersections, redirecting traffic and causing residents to take lengthy detours. Officers diligently went door to door, questioning friends and neighbors, seeking information on when they last saw Vi and whether they had noticed anything suspicious. One neighbor mentioned an unfamiliar pickup truck that had been spotted on their street a few days prior, driving back and forth. At the time, the neighbor had no knowledge of Vi's abduction, as the police had not yet made the information public. Nonetheless, the lead was noted by the officers, desperate for any possible leads to unravel the mystery surrounding Vi Ripken's disappearance. The authorities reached the disheartening conclusion that Vi had indeed been abducted earlier that day. In preparation for a public plea of assistance, they planned to issue a public statement around 5.30 a.m. the following morning, hoping to rally the community's support and generate leads to bring Vi safely home. On the morning of Wednesday, July 25, 2012, as the 24-hour mark of Vi's disappearance neared, the police issued a press briefing, making the world aware of Vi Ripken's abduction and seeking assistance in her safe return. They hoped that the dissemination of this information would generate leads and aid in closing the case. Approximately 45 minutes after the press briefing was released, around 6.15 a.m., Eric Snyder, a 28-year-old neighbor of Vi, was returning home from an overnight shift at a nearby warehouse. He found himself driving through their neighborhood on Clover Street, only to be forced to turn around due to the presence of the police, who were still actively investigating Vi's disappearance. Eric, like many residents on his street, had to take an alternative route to reach his home. Shortly after turning around, Eric stumbled upon an unusual sight. He noticed a silver sedan parked nearby, with an elderly woman sitting in the back seat. Intriguingly, she was waving a sweatshirt out of the open window while simultaneously honking the car's horn. Realizing the significance of what he had witnessed, Snyder promptly contacted the police and shared the suspicious sighting. This phone call led to the safe return of Vi Ripken. Law enforcement swiftly arrived at the scene, discovering Vi Ripken's Lincoln Town Car parked just down the block from her home in Aberdeen, with Vi herself still in the back seat, her hands bound. The abductor had seemingly returned her to the vicinity of her home, but had provided no explanation for the abduction. There was no note or discernible motive for his actions, and no ransom demand had been made. The perpetrator appeared to have abandoned the car and fled on foot, unless an alternative means of escape was utilized nearby. Mike Hudson, whose mother lived across the street from Vi, commented to reporters, expressing his surprise. It's just hard to believe the guy came all the way back on the street and dropped her off. 
that makes me believe he's a local. Very local. The police were immediately tasked with piecing together the specifics of the crime. They were astounded to learn that Vi's abductor had returned her unharmed. Apart from being bound and blindfolded, he had treated her with a modicum of kindness. Gus Kalowski, another neighbor of Vi's, to whom she later confided in, shared some details with the media. He lit cigarettes for her. They stopped for food. He said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to take you back. And that's what he did. The abductor had conveyed to Vi that he merely wanted money and her car. Later that evening, the Ripken family released a statement expressing their gratitude to the police and their relief at having Vi, their cherished matriarch of their family, back home safe and sound. On the afternoon of July 25th, just hours after Vi's safe return, the Aberdeen Police Department held a brief press conference to provide updates on the investigation into the perplexing kidnapping that occurred on the evening of Tuesday, July 24th, 2012. Following Vi's abduction from her home, the kidnapper appeared to have no predetermined destination in mind. He aimlessly drove around central and western Maryland, traversing Harford, Baltimore, and Frederick counties. There were indications that he may have even ventured as far north as Pennsylvania, which brought the case into federal jurisdiction. As a result, the FBI became involved in the investigation, eventually assuming control over the case, as they tend to do when they get involved in cases. Despite police efforts to track the abductor's meandering journey across the region, there seemed to be no discernible pattern or purpose behind his movements. The specifics of their route were elusive at best. The investigators did not disclose any particular locations they had traveled to during the 23 hours of Vi's disappearance. One of the perplexing aspects of this case was how the kidnapper managed to bring Vi's vehicle back into her own neighborhood, which was under close surveillance by numerous police officers. I mean, I mean, come on, don't make me say it. Okay, I'll say it. This kidnapper drove his victim back to her own neighborhood in her own car. The two things police were searching for and the horde of police officers in Vi's neighborhood did not even notice what they were looking for right under their noses. The increased police presence throughout the neighborhood made it puzzling how he could have maneuvered into the area without being noticed. It suggested that the abductor was either a local resident, possibly living nearby, or had an intimate familiarity with this area. In hindsight, police acknowledged that a shift change was occurring at the time Vi's vehicle was discovered by her neighbor. This likely provided an opportunity for the abductor to slip in and out unnoticed, as investigators may not have been actively searching for him in such close proximity to Vi's home. The audacity of returning the vehicle to the original crime scene, especially with police activity combing the streets nearby, was 
an unexpected and improbable occurrence. The chances of such a brazen act were believed to be minimal at best. The motivation behind Vi Ripken's abduction remained a perplexing mystery for investigators. Based on their findings, it appeared that Vi and her abductor were not acquainted with one another. Throughout their time together, the kidnapper seemed unaware of Vi's identity and even asked her questions about items in her car bearing the logo of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, a minor league baseball team owned by Vi's son, Cal Ripken Jr. This lack of recognition led some to speculate that the abductor may have targeted Vi under the assumption that she was simply a wealthy older woman without realizing her connection to a famous baseball player. Some believed that the abductor may have ultimately returned Vi home because he realized her high-profile status as Cal Ripken Jr.'s mother and the potential scrutiny and attention that harming her could bring. This theory suggested that his initial motives were not related to her celebrity status, but rather to a misguided perception of her wealth. The safe return of Vi Ripken was deemed highly unusual, as kidnappings typically do not end without harm to the victim. An anonymous police official in Harford County remarked on the extraordinary nature of her return, stating that the circumstances surrounding the case deviated from the typical abduction scenarios. While the talking heads in the media and the court of public opinion speculated that the motive could be ransom, law enforcement authorities dismissed this possibility. The abductor's lack of knowledge about Vi's identity and the absence of any ransom demand or evidence of a payment led investigators to believe that the motive was not financially driven. Chief Henley Trabert of the Aberdeen Police stated during a press conference that no ransom demand was known at the time. Although the abductor had taken Vi's credit cards and used them on the day of her kidnapping, the specific purchases made were not disclosed to the public. This information was withheld to maintain confidentiality and prevent false confessions from individuals claiming responsibilities based on knowledge of the purchases. Robbery remained the most plausible motive for the abduction, given the use of Vi's credit cards. On Thursday, July 26th, the day after Vi Ripken's return, the police released surveillance footage of the abductor captured at a nearby store. While the exact location of the store was not disclosed initially, viewers later identified it as a Walmart in Glen Burnie, Maryland, approximately 40 miles southeast of Vi's home. Initially, only a few still images from the footage were released, but later a 30-second clip was made public. The footage provided a clear view of the abductor, matching the descriptions given by Vi and other witnesses. Described as a tall and thin white man in his late 30s or early 40s, he stood around 5 foot 10 and weighed approximately 200 pounds. The man had short brown hair, wore glasses, and was seen wearing a long white shirt, jeans, 
and an orange, black and white baseball cap reminiscent of the Baltimore Orioles' team colors. Additional surveillance footage of the suspect from various establishments, including retail chains, convenience stores, and fast food restaurants, was mentioned by the police. However, the authorities were selective in releasing still images, with another set being made public in November of 2012, captured at a Walmart in Middle River, Maryland. This guy really liked Walmart. According to detectives, the footage from Middle River showed the abductor returning items he had purchased with Vi's credit cards at the Glen Burnie Walmart two days prior, on July 24th. However, the specific details of the items he had purchased were not disclosed. In addition to the suspect's images, police also released images of a green Dodge minivan with distinctive bumper stickers found in the Walmart parking lot. While it was not stated that the abductor had been driving the minivan, investigators hoped that the driver might have information related to the culprit. To aid in identifying the suspect, a police sketch was created based on the surveillance images and Vi Ripken's eyewitness testimony. This sketch, along with the surveillance images, was shared with the public and displayed on billboards, particularly along I-95 and I-83, areas where the suspect might have been known or frequented. Authorities issued a warning considering the abductor to be armed and dangerous, and urged everyone to remain cautious and report any information that could assist the investigation. In August of 2012, approximately a week after his mother's safe return, Cal Ripken Jr. held a press conference where he expressed that the abduction had left a lasting impact on his mother and their family. Um, I think there's really a couple reasons uh, why I'm here uh, today. First and foremost, uh, everyone's been asking how the family is, how mom is, how she's doing uh, from, a, from a health standpoint. And I appreciate uh, all the outpouring of love and support for our family. And uh, I want to be able to report that uh, mom is doing pretty good. Um, you know, uh, it's a traumatic um, um, situation that she was involved in, traumatic for all of us in the family, and we're trying really hard to come together and support each other um, in this. Uh, but mom, mom, by and large, is a tough, strong woman, um, uh, was able to endure this, but uh, she's, doing, she's doing pretty good. So, again, I just want to thank everyone for their, their concern and thoughts for our family. Um, secondly, I think I'm here because uh, to deliver a message that, uh, you know, law enforcement needs your help. Um, the investigation is, uh, uh, is moving along. If you know anything about uh, the case, if you know anything about uh, uh, the identity of the person in the photos, the sketch, I would encourage all of you to, uh, um, to call in and, uh, and report what you know. you know. It was very emotional. Uh, I think that uh, we were all thinking the worst possible things during the course of time that we were looking for. Um, and not knowing what, what, what the reason was, and we still don't know really the motivation for it. Um, but uh, having her back, I think, was uh, overly emotional. We, we were very uh, excited, and, and I think we all let our emotions show just from the uh, severity of what, what happened. 
Well, I mean, I too will say it's bizarre. I don't have any experience to say why it's bizarre. Uh, uh, Mom was taken at gunpoint from her own house. Uh, she was tied up and she was driven around. And uh, and for what we know right now, from what I know, we don't know why. And so that's uh, it's bizarre on many levels, and it's unsettling on many levels. But uh, um, it's strange to say the least. Having to do this. This is very uncomfortable. Um, no doubt about it. I mean, the set of circumstances that has me before you um, doesn't feel good. Uh, I think it's the right thing in the end, you know, to, uh, to assist law enforcement uh, in, in their job. But uh, I think uh, the reason I decided to do it uh, mainly was uh, uh, to help deliver a message that mom, mom's doing pretty good. Because everywhere I go, people ask me about my mom. And uh, she had a chance to be known, maybe not as much as uh, Billy, myself, or, or even Dad. But uh, she's the rock of the family. As the investigation continued, a tip was provided by a local inmate named Michael Molitor, who pointed the police towards a potential suspect. However, it was revealed in April of 2013 that the tip was not credible. The evidence contradicted the person of interest named by Molitor. It was discovered that Molitor had a history of providing false information to the police, having done so in a previous arrest in July of 2010. He was later sentenced to seven years in prison for drug offenses. The individual he had named as a suspect was completely ruled out, bringing the investigation back to square one. In July 2013, marking one year since her abduction and return, Vi Ripken spoke to the press for the very first time. She expressed her determination not to hide away and acknowledged that she had to face the situation rather than avoid it. Vi, then 75 years old, had resumed attending minor league baseball games regularly, and she had returned to her home and her normal daily routine. Although safety precautions were taken by her family, Vi refused to live in fear and embraced her life as she had always known it. A few weeks after the one-year mark, Cal Ripken Jr. announced an increase in the reward from $2,000 to $100,000. And, I mean, this is a very wealthy family. $2,000? Come on, Ripkins, you can do better than that. This initial reward amount had been criticized as insufficient for such a high-profile and potentially significant crime. Cal agreed that the original sum was inadequate, and he hoped that the larger reward would provide motivation for someone with information to come forward. However, despite the increased reward, the investigation did not yield any major breakthroughs. Unfortunately, Vi Ripken faced another terrifying incident just over a year after her abduction. In October 2013, as she was leaving a bank in downtown Aberdeen, a man armed with a handgun confronted her in the parking lot and demanded her car. Reacting quickly, Vi pressed the panic button on her car keys, activating the alarm and attracting attention from nearby individuals. This is a perfect example of something that works exactly as it is intended. Thank you, Carl Arms. Thankfully, Vi was not harmed, 
but the incident left her frightened. The gunman fled the scene and was apprehended by the police approximately two hours later. Identified as 33-year-old Jesse Bowen, who lived nearby, he was charged with attempted armed robbery, attempted armed carjacking, assault, and other offenses. The police did not believe that the two separate incidents were related. Bowen did not match any of the descriptions of Vi's kidnapper from 2012, as he had a completely different appearance, was several inches shorter, and weighed approximately 50 pounds less than the individual captured in the surveillance footage. The man responsible for the abduction of Vi Ripken in 2012 is still being sought by law enforcement, including the Aberdeen and Maryland State Police, as well as the FBI. If apprehended and convicted, he could face a maximum prison sentence of 30 years under Maryland state law. Considering the severity of charges such as kidnapping and weapons offenses, which have no statute of limitations. The case of Vi Ripken's abduction continues to be a major topic of discussion in Aberdeen, Maryland, which, despite being on the outskirts of the Baltimore region, is not accustomed to such strange and high-profile crimes involving its residents. As a result, the case has given rise to various theories, ranging from the plausible to the bizarre. One theory suggests that the abduction was an extortion attempt, possibly involving a ransom payment made by Vi's family, particularly her son Cal. However, this theory raises questions about the involvement of the police, as any ransom requests or payments would likely be known to law enforcement, potentially conflicting with their investigation. This theory leans toward conspiracy and hinges on the assumption that the police are attempting to deter copycat crimes by pretending no ransom attempt was occurring. It is unlikely that the police would knowingly allow such a scenario to unfold without intervening, although stranger things have happened. Another theory suggests that the perpetrator was someone who underestimated the significance of his target and stumbled upon the house belonging to the first mother of baseball. He may have initially planned to rob the house or abduct a wealthy older woman for ransom, but changed his mind upon realizing Vi's high-profile status. Philip Becknell, a managing partner at a private investigation firm, shared his opinion that the perpetrator may have acted impulsively due to mental illness or for unknown reasons, lacking a well-thought-out plan. This theory suggests that the motive behind the crime could be the perpetrator's bizarre power trip or a robbery gone wrong. While the motive remains unknown, the fact that Vi's credit cards were stolen and used suggests that robbery is a plausible motive, although it does not explain the kidnapping itself. Maybe this was a person who was just lost. In 2017, an age-progressed image of the suspect was released by the police, depicting what he might look like at present. The image included details such as glasses and a hat, providing a more realistic portrayal of the man described by Vi Ripken. Despite ongoing investigations, as recent as 2017, the case remains unsolved, 
and the $100,000 reward for information leading to the suspect's identification is still available. While the case is not considered cold, the story behind the abduction of Vi Ripken remains unsolved to this day. As we reflect on Vi's harrowing experience and the ongoing search for the perpetrator, it reminds us of the resilience of the human spirit. Vi Ripken, a woman of strength and determination, refused to be defined by fear. She faced her ordeal head-on and continued living her life unafraid, attending baseball games and embracing her routine. Vi Ripken, the mother of baseball, passed away on Friday, February 26, 2021. Her family stated, Mom was an incredible woman who touched so many people throughout her lifetime. The void that she leaves in our lives cannot be filled, but what she gave us has shaped who we are today and our memories of her will last the rest of our lives. The truth behind Vi Ripken's abduction remains shrouded in mystery, but it is within our collective efforts that the secret may one day be revealed. We dance round in a ring and suppose, but the secret sits in the middle and knows. Today's episode of The Secret Sits was researched and written by the host, John Dodson. All episodes are engineered and mixed by me, Gabriel Dodson. Check the show notes for links to all of our social media. Email us at thesecretsitspodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts.